The goals are tax relief for middle-class families, the simplicity of postcard tax filing for the vast majority of Americans, tax relief for businesses, especially small businesses, ending incentives to, to ship jobs, capital, and tax revenue overseas, and broadening the tax base and providing greater fairness for all Americans by closing special interest tax breaks and loopholes. Those are the goals laid out by the Trump administration in the unified framework for fixing our broken tax code. Today on Your Money, Your Wealth, Joe and Big Al go through the nine-page, large-type, generously-spaced document with a fine-tooth comb to find out if the proposed changes to brackets, deductions, exemptions, the alternative minimum tax, Tax, estate tax, individual and corporate taxes, and expenses will actually provide more jobs, fairer taxes, and bigger paychecks as promised. The fellows also discuss important steps to take in the last 10 years before retiring and the financial dangers of fly fishing with the wrong beer in retirement. Now, here are Joe Anderson, CFP, and Big Al Clopine, CPA. Got a lot of information to cover in a short period of time. I know that you all are just chomping at the bit to get into tax reform. So no better time than the present. You think our listeners really want to hear about it? To discuss unified framework for fixing our broken tax code. More jobs, fair taxes, bigger paychecks. Yeah. Look at the tagline by Washington. (laughs) I like it. It's a nice little logo, too. Kind of aqua flag with I bet stars. they spent more time on the logo in this in the tagline than they well they did I'll, I'll say I'll stuff. say the um, the operative word here is framework or concept this is not exactly a tax plan it's an it's an idea how the tax plan might be this if in case you haven't seen it Donald Trump announced this tax reform United framework for fixing our broken tax code it's nine pages it's fairly large type uh, and there's a lot of blank spaces so it's uh, but there's it's it, it's very interesting. There's a lot of different directions that you can that we can tell that our government would like to go. I guess what they're saying is goals. This is on page three, so we don't even really get into the meat on page three of nine. <laughs> the goals are tax relief for middle class families, the simplicity of postcard tax filing for the vast majority of Americans, tax relief for businesses, especially small businesses. Ending incentives to, to ship jobs, capital, and tax revenue overseas, and broadening the tax base and providing greater fairness for all Americans by closing special interest tax breaks and loopholes. So, Joe, that, that all sounds pretty good. Yep. Sure does. So, let's kind of see yeah. if there's any meat in here. All right. We'll get, the meat really starts on page four. So, we can go, we'll just go line by line here. I don't know. It'll take us about 10 minutes. <laughs> Won't take too long. So the, so the tax rates, there would be, um, first of all, there's a zero tax bracket, and that's for married taxpayers filing jointly that make $24,000 or less. And all right, but would, would that include the standard deduction? Yeah, that is the standard deduction. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. is it really a zero tax bracket? Not, not really. I mean, this, we, we, if, if you define that as a zero tax bracket, we already have a zero tax bracket. So with the $24,000 for married and $12,000 for single, all right, right. so that's what they're saying is a zero tax bracket, but that's not on taxable income. Right. That, right well, because that's after your deductions, exemption, or, well, there's yeah, no more is, exemptions. That, yeah, well, that is your deduction. Yeah, exactly. In so other, if I had $24,000 of income, yeah. and then I get a $24,000 
um, standard deduction. Yes, then you and pay so no then tax. That would zero me out because your taxable income is zero. So you're right, Joe. It, it's not really a zero bracket. But let's, let me explain what's really going on. Is the um, the standard deduction? You probably know that you can take a standard deduction or you can take an itemized deduction. You get to pick the higher of the two. And itemized deductions are mortgage interest and property taxes, state taxes, charity, things like that. And uh, or you can take a standard deduction, which is, I think, for a married couple, is around twelve or thirteen thousand, and single is half of that. Uh, so it's let's just round it to twelve thousand and six thousand. It's a little bit more, but you get the idea. So what they're saying is, is let's uh, let's basically double that standard deduction. We'll make it twenty-four thousand for a married couple instead of a little over twelve, and let's make the single twelve thousand standard deduction instead of a little bit over six. Unfortunately, though, they take away exemptions. So, in other words, right now we get a little bit over $4,000 per person for exemption. So, a married couple would get two exemptions. So, just in round numbers, Joe, that's $8,000 there, and the standard deduction is roughly $12,000. So, a married couple with no tax deductions at all under current law pays no tax at $20,000. So, it's, it's actually not that big a change over what we currently have. Right. But that's kind of how it's being advertised. Uh, and, and so, you can sort of read between the lines here. Those that have lots of kids are going to be likely hurt by this because right. there's no exemptions anymore. So let's say if he had four kids, right? That's four thousand per kid. Yeah, sixteen thousand dollars of deductions plus gone. your twelve thousand standard. Right. Right. And yeah. so then you would lose. Yeah, you you would lose, right? And and in a lot of cases, uh, our listeners are itemizing their deductions, and so the higher standard doesn't really affect help. them. Doesn't really affect them. Right. They have already got a big mortgage payment. They're paying high state taxes, a lot of charity. Right. And their their itemized deductions. Are 30, 40, 50,000 or more. Right. So a higher standard is meaningless. All of a sudden, we just lost deductions. Sure. We lost exemptions. Exemptions. Exemptions is what I mean. That's number one, Joe. Number two is that the three tax brackets would be 12%, 25%, and 35%. And uh, that's actually consistent with what's being mentioned over the last year, I would say. So no real surprises there. The, uh, the lowest two brackets are 10% and 15%. So those would kind of merge together and become 12. Yeah, what they're doing is that if you look at the current tax code today, you got 12, or uh, 12, that's the new, 10, 15, 25%, 28%, 33, 35, and then 39.6. So the first bracket would be 12. So that's just taking 10 and 15 and kind of merging those together to call it 12. Yeah, and of course, we don't know exactly where those brackets will be, but what exactly. was what was announced... You know, roughly a year ago was was maybe consistent with the fifteen percent bracket today, which for married couples about seventy five thousand of taxable income. That's actually what Trump came up with a year ago. And uh, anyway, so and then this twenty five percent bracket would replace what is currently twenty five and twenty eight. So those would be twenty five, and then the next bracket being thirty five percent would replace. What is 33, 35, and 39.6? So highest rate was or is 39.6. This new proposal says 35. So it actually goes down. So rounding, 40% goes to 35. So if yeah. I'm making over $400,000 a year or 450 as a married couple, right. right? I'm paying any dollar over that is 40%. Right. Now it would be dropped to 35%. 35. However, and I'll get into this a little bit more in a second, but state uh, taxes are, are not allowable under this tax plan. And for people that live in California, which is a high state 
tax state, I guess. Poor way to say that, but <laughs> that's what it is. And and I, I've already done the math, Joe. If you if you're in the highest brackets in California, you're paying 13.3 percent tax, and you're paying 39.6 percent federal. By the time you figure out the tax benefit on the federal return for that uh, for that state tax deduction, it's a little over five percent. So uh, in fact, so someone that's in California that gets this lower 35 percent rate, well, they lose about a five and a half percent deduction. So their tax rate actually goes up to about 40.5% from 39.6. Those are round numbers. It's not exact, but you get the idea. And so if you live in Nevada, there is no state tax. So it doesn't matter whether you can deduct your state taxes or not. So in other words, certain certain states are going to be more favored than others based upon that. Sure. Florida. Yes. Right. right. Yeah, which is a tax-free state. So that's that's the tax rates. There's uh, enhanced child care credit, uh, which is not unsimilar to what we have, the $1,000 per kid, but they're saying the first $1,000 of the credit will be uh, refundable. Um, actually, they are they are saying then there's a second component of $500 per child. That's, that's a little bit higher. That part wouldn't be non-refundable. So um, alternative minimum tax that would go away that is repealed and that would that actually would help a lot of people in California because i would say an alternative tax is one of those strange tax systems where it's a it's an alternative way of computing taxes and you're supposed to calculate your taxes both ways and pay the higher the two and what we find is for most people once your income gets around $200,000, give or take, that's about when you start hitting alternative minimum tax. And that continues, depending upon whether you're single or married, it's anywhere between, say, $450,000 and $650,000, in California anyway, then what happens is the regular tax system is more expensive, and so you flip back into the regular system. But there is a zone of people in California, roughly $200,000, let's call it six fifty. dollars Right uh, of income, where they would be benefited by this change. So now you might be wondering how this complete tax code overhaul might affect you. And we haven't even gotten into individual and corporate taxes, estate taxes, and all the rest yet. Start end-of-the-year tax planning now to help you not just this year, but for the rest of your life. Call Pure Financial Advisors at 888-994-6257 and make an appointment for a personalized tax reduction analysis. That's 888-994-6257. Don't wait until the last minute. Find out how your current tax strategy may be changing before the end of 2017, which is just weeks away, and what you can do to keep up. Get a forward-looking, personalized tax reduction analysis at no cost or obligation to you. Call Pure Financial at 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. Talking tax reform. If you've been paying attention here, our president kind of came up with an outline of some tax reform uh, coming up here. So uh, we kind of went through a couple of the different basics and just finished up with Altman uh, that would be repealed. And alternative minimum tax came about, what, in the 1950s or so? Right. That from, from my memory, uh, although it seems like when I, when I study that, different people have different opinions. But give or take, somewhere around the 1950s, and the whole idea was so that the top 500, 1,000, 
2000 to 2000, um, most of the wealthiest families would at least pay some tax because they were loading up on deductions. Deductions, right. Yeah. I mean, it, uh, you, the 70s and 80s was all about yes. you know, these crazy tax credits and things like that. Because, I mean, the, the tax rate back then in the 50s uh, was, what, 50, 70 percent? Correct. It was 70 percent before Ronald Reagan came into office. And then it was brought down to 50, 50. right? And then uh, now we're at 39.6, thinking it's the highest ever. But going back into history, it wasn't that long ago the tax rates were almost double. Right, seven zero, seventy percent, seven zero. Right. Yeah, so we, with that high tax rate, so then people were starting to get creative on their tax returns. Yeah, exactly. And started coming up with all sorts of different types of deductions, huge deductions and credits. And is, is that is that huge? Huge. Or, or huge? huge? Huge. Huge. The California version of the word. Okay. Or Minnesota. <laughs> anyway, uh, you're right, Joe. And, and so alternative minimum tax came around because uh, they, they said, all right, we're going to have an alternative system for computing taxes. And it's really only designed for the wealthiest people, right? Okay. Okay, but let's talk about this for a second, because everyone was like, oh, man, I'm in alternative minimum tax. Oh, I'm paying out of my nose because I'm an altman, right? Right. But what really alternative minimum tax is, is a flat tax in a sense. It yes. starts at 26%, then it goes to 28 depending on your income. Right. But then there's addbacks or takebacks or whatever you want to call it. You can't deduct a lot of... Yeah. Um, of the deductions that you're able to take now. Yeah. That's exactly where we're going. Right. Yeah. That's you know true. what I mean? Because they're that's taking true. away a lot of these deductions that we're used to, right? That right. is lowering our overall tax bill to say, you know what? No, let's increase the standard deduction. Let's get rid of exemptions. And then let's get rid of a, a, a lot of the deductions, you know, such as medical expenses, state taxes, yeah. um, item or um, unreimbursed business expenses. Correct. Maybe they, they put a cap on the mortgage deduction. Right. No. So if if you hate Altman, I don't know. We have Altman. Now we, well, no, we got the reform. You should be but, the super Altman. But here, but the good news is we don't have to compute taxes twice. And I think that's 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 a lot of what people didn't like because there's two different. Oh, TurboTax did it for most, or their CPA did. Who's I, doing it by hand? I, I well, sure. However, but when when it comes to planning, it's like. Well, let's see. Do I prepay my state tax? Am I going to hit Altman or not? If I if I am in Altman, I don't want to prepay my state tax in December because it's it wasted. Right. If I am or if I'm not in Altman, I do want to prepay it. And so it just made tax planning a lot more difficult. And, and the confusion of who's in Altman and who's not and people that had irregular income, some years they were in Altman, some, some years they weren't. If you're... If you and your spouse are salaried, and let's just say you make two hundred fifty or three hundred thousand dollars, you're in California. You probably are in Altman, and so you have to realize that you're kind of in that system, and you have to do that planning, at least from a what's what we call a marginal basis. Right. But but the but Joe, I was just going to say that the Altman. The um, yeah, certainly state taxes, property taxes, miscellaneous itemized deductions are not allowable, and that was part of the original reason in the fifties. Is is well, you can't get all these de- crazy deductions and, and take them off your taxes, and so there was this alternative way of doing it. What makes it insidious, though, is there, there's this uh, alternative minimum tax exemption, which it's good it's there because it gives you additional deduction for nothing, kind of like a standard deduction, except that the more your income is, the more that that phases out. And that takes that flat 26 and 28% rate, and it adds another 6 or 7% to that rate because every every dollar you add of income, you're also losing a deduction at the same time. So it's not really 28. It's actually really 35% when you're an Altman. You guys anyway. get that? Yeah. All right. Clear as mud. <laughs> 
So moving on, page five of nine of our new tax code. <laughs> <laughs> it's better than six feet tall, huh? Yeah, that's true. I can, we can go through this in a half an hour. Uh, itemized deductions. In order to simplify the tax code, the framework eliminates most itemized deductions, but retains tax incentives for home mortgage interest and charitable contributions. So... Uh, so reading between the lines, they haven't really said, but um, so what, what would not be included is medical deductions or taxes. Currently, you can deduct state taxes and property taxes and DMV fees, things like that. What's also not included would be uh, casualty losses. A lot of people don't have that, but a lot of people do have miscellaneous itemized deductions. Those would be investment expenses or tax prep expenses or unreimbursed job expenses. Those would be gone, too. And the, the biggest fight right now, uh, the biggest complaint is the state and local taxes, because in high-tax states, as we just talked about last segment, that's a big number. In California, that the, the ability to deduct your state taxes against your federal taxes can can save you over 5% in federal income taxes when you're in the highest of brackets. So that's a big deal. Huge. You, you lower the tax rate from 39.6 to 35, but then you lose the state tax. You're actually back where you started and, and then some, even in a little bit higher bracket. Right. So th- there's a... You know, it, there's going to be these zones, right, where some zones are going to benefit from it. Other zones are going to get hurt by it um, in, a, in a large way. So you have to understand when it comes to tax planning. And, and let's say if this passes, right, and then, then you, we have to consider, all right, is it going to be retroactive? Right. Right. And so there's a lot of planning that needs to be done now until the end of the year to figure out, okay, well, what do I, if I'm going back from the beginning of the year to this new framework, mm-hmm. right? So where am I going to fall? What, what do I need to do here? So right. um, you got to, this is going to be interesting. Well, it is. And we're going to have to see what happens. I will make one more comment about state and local taxes. And that is Gary Cohen, who's one of the big six that put this tax reform uh, concept or outline yeah, together. Big six. <laughs> yeah, the big six. Um, he said on Friday morning that uh, state and local taxes is not necessarily a, uh, off the table. It could be potentially negotiated back in. So we'll see. I don't even know. What does the other side want? Do they want to have the state and local taxes um, uh, well, it depends. It, it depends upon the senators and House of Representatives in particular states. All everyone in California wants that deduction because sure. it's such a high state tax. Right. In Nevada, they could care less. Care, yeah. In fact, they they would rather have that deduction going away because then other other people are going to pay more of the federal burden. <laughs> yeah, right. Or, or maybe yeah, people will move to those states. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, let's see. Another one, Joe, is. Um, the framework contains benefits that encourage work, higher education, retirement, security. Uh, committee is encouraged to simplify these benefits, improve their efficiency and effectiveness. The tax reform will aim to maintain or raise planned participation of workers and resources available for retirement. So that's fairly vague, but I, that's, that's, I guess that's good news because we've been hearing the last two or three years that they're going to clamp down on retirement plans. Right. And they still may, but... Um, maybe make all retirement plans Roth, or maybe they stop you from being able to contribute to a retirement plan when you have X number of dollars, right? Or at a certain income level, you can't take a deduction. I mean, all kinds of things have been thrown out there. So, yeah. I guess we'll stick stay tuned for that. Yeah. So we'll, we'll have to see about that. But Joe, you are right. I mean, this, this really is going to be kind of a, an interesting year, depending upon what happens over the next few months. And, and 
I would say that tax planning this year is, is probably more important than almost any year in, in recent time. I mean, I mean, this reminds me of the fiscal cliff in a sense. Yeah, I was just going to say the fiscal cliff is, is would have been the other time. That was 2012, right. 2013, uh, where it was we're going to have a whole new tax law starting on in, in January. Yeah, because the Bush tax cuts were due to expire, and right. then we had the um, you know the federal deficit. Yeah, and, well, what, are we going to yeah know, shut down the government? Even the proposed changes are changing quickly as Trump tax reform gets closer to becoming a reality. As Joe just said, I guess we'll have to stay tuned to find out what's in store, but don't be caught unaware. Find out how tax reform might affect you. Start end-of-year tax planning now to help you not just this year, but for the rest of your life. Call Pure Financial Advisors at 888-994-6257 and make an appointment for a personalized tax reduction analysis. That's 888-994-6257. Find out how your current tax strategy may be changing and what you can do to keep up. Get a forward-looking, personalized tax reduction analysis at no cost or obligation to you. Call Pure Financial at 888-994-6257. That's 888-994-6257. We're talking about uh, more jobs, fair taxes, bigger paychecks. Yeah, tax reform. Uh, the uh, United Framework uh, was announced uh, by a president on Wednesday for fixing our broken code. It's a nine-page document here, uh, and I, I will stress the fact this is not exactly a tax act or bill. This is a framework for discussion. So it's not like it's going to be passed tomorrow. tomorrow or anytime soon. But... It could be passed retroactively for this year even. So when it does happen, I mean, if it happens, so we'll see. One more thing I want to mention about individuals is the estate tax, which is the so-called death tax. When you pass away, certain taxes go to the government before they go to your heirs, beneficiaries. Uh, that would that would be repealed. In other words, that would completely disappear. And honestly, that won't affect a lot of people because right now, as the current law stands, almost five and a half million dollars of your assets go to the next generation tax-free. And if you're married, it's $11 million. So we're really only talking about those single people that have estates over five and a half million, married couples that have estates more than 11 million. That's where this would be impacted. You know, with that, you got to be careful because it's there was, there's one line, Alan. Death and generation skipping tax in this reform framework. It says the framework repeals the death tax and generation skipping tax. That's all we know. That's all we know. What about a, the step yeah, up in basis A lot rules? of blank spaces. That, that's actually the most important thing here. Right. Because let's say you get rid of the death tax, but what happens to the step up in basis? So what step up in basis means at death is let's say that you inherit uh, mom's um, a house, right? She bought it for $20,000 and then now it's worth $200,000, right? She passes away. You inherit that house. In today's law, there's a step up in basis. And what that means is that that $20,000, what she paid for, now your cost base or tax basis goes to 200000 the fair market value of the date of death. So if you wanted to sell the home the next day or whatever, you wouldn't pay any tax because your tax basis is the fair market value, even though mom bought it for $20,000. If they get rid of the estate tax, they could get rid of the step up in basis. Yeah, they, they might. And the reason why that whole thing is there is so that you wouldn't pay taxes twice. Because it used to be, Joe, that the, the exemption was $600,000. If you had more than $600,000 of assets, anything above that would be taxed at the estate tax level, which was a graduated schedule that worked all the way up to 55%. Right? And so now we have, now we have a schedule where you have to be over five and a half million dollars roughly per person and the tax is 40 percent so it's 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 it doesn't really affect most people but what does affect 
virtually everybody, uh, that anyone that has any kind of assets outside of retirement, is that step-up rule. And again, the reason the step-up rule is there is so that people didn't pay double taxes on estate taxes. But now, since so few people, so few people pay estate taxes, the step-up in basis is a huge thing for uh, virtually everybody, right? right? Now, Donald Trump actually has said during uh, his campaign, right towards the end of his campaign, right before the election, that he's thinking about having a $10 million step up. We'll have to see. In other words, there's no estate tax, and we'll take $10.5 million of your assets and we'll step that up to but what anything the over value. that $10 million but, or whatever. Anything over that wouldn't be taxed. And or wouldn't be stepped up. And so you think, well, how would that, you know, if that were to be, then again, it doesn't really affect most people. But let's say you've got $100 million outside of retirement. That's your That's that's my future. That's Big Al's net worth. Big wallet on Big Al. Seems like go national. We we need to go national. Joe, then you and I will have that problem, right? Got it. Yeah, I don't don't think so. Well, Big Al and Joel. (laughs) They'll send the check to the wrong person. Yeah, right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) If you've been listening to our show, everyone gets my name right big al but joe is often joel or steve yeah doesn't matter <laughs> the other guy big al and bob <laughs> anyway uh so let's just say someone has a hundred million dollars uh, outside of retirement uh and and the you know step up in basis would be nice to have but they're not un- under this new law let's it, it, there's no estate tax so maybe there's no step up so what happens is instead of the next generation paying the 40 percent estate tax, they would pay the capital gains tax upon sale of that business, which currently is 20%, and then there's the 3.8 Medicare surtax uh, for Obamacare. Uh, so it could be 23.8% plus state tax. So so it's a lower tax. Plus, the, the most important thing, uh, Joe, is that the kids would not be forced to sell property or businesses because the tax would only be incurred when they actually sold it, not when it when they first inherit it. You know, there's nothing on here on capital gains taxes. No, there's nothing. So I guess we'll assume there's no change in them. And capital gain taxes really do have a 0% rate, a legitimate rate for married couples. It's taxable income up to 75000 For single, it's about thirty-seven five. In other words, if your taxable income is below that those thresholds and you have capital gains, your tax rate really is zero. And then there's a 15% rate above that. And by the time you get to the maximum tax rate, you're over 400000 single or married. Uh, it's 400000 and change single. It's close to 500000 for married. Then the tax rate is 20% for capital gains. So yeah, you're right. There's no mention of that whatsoever. But uh, anyway, that's that's individuals. So that was um, that was pay- in the in the individual tax code is now from pages th- um, well three three, 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 six. three is the goal. So it's really four to six. It's three pages. <laughs> I do like the simplicity. Corporations, Joe, a lot of big changes there. T- uh, tax rate structure for small businesses, which often are called flow through or pass through type businesses like if there's an S corporation or a partnership or an LLC what happens is any corporate or partnership profit flows through to the partners and what they're saying is that that tax rate would be capped at a 25% rate so that's huge that's for, gigantic that's uh, right for a lot of small businesses and you know so if you're a profitable small business you um, pay yourself a salary of let's say i don't know a couple hundred thousand dollars but maybe you have a million dollars of profits, right. right? And so then that profit flows through to you. Right. Um, you don't have to pay um, 
payroll tax on that, so there's a tax savings there, but it's still taxed at your ordinary income rate. So right. if, it, if you're a profitable business, you pay yourself 200000 bucks, and then you got another million dollars of flow through, all right, well, then that million dollars added, so you're still in the 396 or 40% tax rate federally, and then right. um, and depending on what state you live in, you got to pay the state tax on top of that. What this is suggesting and saying, all right, well, whatever flow through that goes through, we're going to cap that at 25%. Right. So in that example, instead of paying your ordinary income rate at the highest rate of 40%, 39.6, that would be dropped to 25%. Right. And I guess if you look at under the new law, where if the tax, the highest tax rate is 35% and your S-Corp profit would be 20, 25, you'd have a 10% savings. So on that million dollars of profit, you'd save $100,000 in tax. Right. Now, I, this is from the Wall Street Journal, and they were talking about this exact issue. So what they, here's what they say about that issue. For more than a year, Republicans have been floating alternatives for defining the line between wage and business income. They're talking about pass-through income because basically everyone would pay themselves a dollar in wages and the rest is is profits, right? So they're saying uh, they haven't settled on anything. Of course. But one uh, option would be to assume that 70% of pass-through income is taxable as wages and 30% at the lower business rate. So we'll have to see. Alternatively, Treasury Secretary Stephen uh, Mnuchin Mnuchin said... You don't know his name yet? Yeah, I keep saying it wrong. He says that certain service providers wouldn't get the lower tax rate. He named accountants specifically. Wow. He's thinking about me. Yeah. Right? Big Al. But I think what he's thinking about is there is a thing called a qualified personal service corporation in a in a C corporation world, and there's eight professions that that basically don't get a lower tax, a graduated rate for a corporation. They have to go to the maximum rate right off the bat. And those eight professions are health, law, engineering, architecture, accounting, actuarial science, performing arts, or consulting. It doesn't mention anything about financial advisors. All right. Maybe we're okay. Okay. I don't know. We'll have to see. Yeah. Sounds like tax reform could get hairy for all of us. If you've got a burning question about tax reform or anything else financial, you can always call 888-994-6257 for your chance to talk to Joe and Big Al live during Your Money, Your Wealth. That number again is 888-994-6257. 888-994-6257. Of course, you can always put your question in an email to info at purefinancial.com or send it directly to joe.anderson at purefinancial.com or Alan clopine at purefinancial.com. Ask Joe and Big Al all your money questions on Your Money, Your Wealth, 888-994-6257, or email info at purefinancial.com. Uh, we're getting into small businesses. We just talked about the pass-through yeah. of that dropping from ordinary income rates to a cap rate of 25%. Yeah, and uh, then there's, there's C-corporations, which it, I would say virtually all of the large corporations in our country are C-corporations, and, and several smaller ones. Although you do tend to find that the smaller businesses tend to be S-corporations, because it is slightly more tax-favored, and the larger ones uh, tend to be C-corporations. But the, the tax rate, the framework reduces the corporate tax rate to 20 
10%. Now, the highest rate right now for a large company is 35%. So that would be a gigantic tax deduction there. And uh, I, I've read in the last couple of days a lot of concern by taxpayers over that. It sounds like, gosh, you're just, you're just helping the fat cats, the big companies, and this and that. And I, I, have, I just want to inject one thing that I don't think a lot of people realize, and that is the corporate tax rate we have right now is totally unfair. It's a 35% tax rate, but then the profits, they, they, when they're given to the shareholders, they're a dividend, and dividends are taxed at either 15 or 20%. So really, when you think- Or if it's not qualified, it's taxed at ordinary income right. rates. So exactly, but even in the best case, a 35% corporate rate and a 15% individual shareholder rate, the corporate tax right now is 50% or 55% if you're in a higher tax bracket. And that's, that's not fair, I, I don't think. And I think the 20% actually is really logical because if you have a 20% C corporate rate, and then the dividends come out and they're taxed at 15, that's 35%. That would be the same as the top rate. So I actually applaud that, and I think that's good for companies, it's good for business, it's good for jobs. This one, I think, makes a ton of sense. And also, if you think of it as an individual that owns, let's say, your company stock, right? And so if that corporate tax rate goes down, Right. So what's going to happen to their overall profitability? It's probably going to go up because they have more cash on hands to do right. different things. That's right. right. And so if there's more cash, that means that company's more profitable. If that company's more profitable, what do you think happens to the stock price? Yeah, it goes up. It goes up. So your 401k plans, right, your IRAs, your Roth IRAs, your your stocks, your mutual funds, and everything else, you know, if, if those companies are going up in profits, all right, well, then that means those stock prices should you know, with everything else being equal, should go up. I, yeah. I'm sure some economists will argue me. I'm 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 just a Joe Schmo here. <laughs> you know, I don't know my head from my. What. Yeah, but but I'll say something else that to me people get confused about. They they assume that all these corporate profits go to all the big fat cats, and certainly the big fat cats. You like that term? I, well, apparently, I've said it, said it two or three times already. <laughs> so, um, but and and to 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 a degree that's true. However, the majority of U.S. Corporations are owned by you and me in our 401k plans. That's we're getting dividends. That's what divid, that's, that's what dividends are. People are wondered what a dividend's all about. Well, that's a company paying you your percentage of their profits. Profit. That's that's what a dividend is. And virtually anybody that has a 401k or trust account outside of a retirement account uh, that is invested in anything other than cash and bonds is part of this part of the system. Your corporate you have you're getting corporate profits. Right. It's a capitalist system. Correct. Yeah. So I, anyway, I, I actually kind of like that one. I, I don't I don't know that it's hard to know how much of this will actually pass. But uh, uh, another one, Joe, is expensing of capital investments. Uh, the framework allows businesses to immediately write off or expense the cost of new investments uh, in depreciable assets uh, other than structures, meaning buildings made after September 27, 2017. For at least five years. So, in other words, they're allowing any business to write off whatever equipment they buy in year one. Um, this policy represents an unprecedented level of expensing with respect to duration, scope of eligible assets, blah, blah, blah. Let me just say something there. <laughs> I saw a guy on CNBC, seemed like a pretty intelligent guy. He was talking about the tax code, and he, and he said that one of the things that people haven't talked about in this tax reform is this provision, the expensing, how important this was for small businesses, and how this was going to add another roughly two points to our GDP over the next five years. And I'm just thinking to myself, ever since the Great Recession, 
the the one the first year expensing provision has been five hundred thousand right. dollars. So we already have this. We already had it for ten years, and we didn't have that two percent for the last ten years. And that's that kind of thing infuriates me because it's just it's misinformation, and, and people don't really know because they unless you're a small business owner, you don't really know that that was true. Right. I mean, I think a lot of it on the individual side is just political rhetoric. It's just it's a shell game. It's just shifting things around. Um, you know, yes, it's going to help some. Um, it's going to hurt others. But it, I mean, you got to run the numbers yourself to say, all right, here's what I'm paying in tax now. Here's what I'm going to be paying in tax with this new reform as an individual. Right? I think on the corporate side, I, I mean, there's some significant changes. There are. Right? You know, when it comes to the flow through, when it comes to the corporate tax rates and things like that, that could make a, a, an impact either way. Right. Um, the other is like, all right, well, here, let me show you that, you know, we're simplifying everything. But... <clears throat> You know, I don't know. I don't know. Sometimes simple is not always better. Yeah, and I this is my own opinion and bias, I guess, Joe. But but I would honestly say, being in taxes since 1982, that that exact statement, simple is not always better. We live in a complex economic world, and when things are too simple, people work all kinds of games around yes, it. Exactly. It's very easy. Now, you might think, it's how, how could you do that? And if you're an employee, it might be difficult. But if you're a business owner, or you own real estate, or have certain kinds of investments, there's all kinds of things that you can do. And that's exactly why we got all this complexity. These loopholes, I mean, there's there are a few stupid ones, I agree with that, but in general, what People are calling loopholes where things put in to try to stop abuses. And unfortunately, it's layer after layer after layer. Now we have such a complex system. And I think virtually everyone, including myself, agree we need a simpler system. There's, there's no question about it. But too simple is not necessarily the, the right answer. I'm agreeing with you. Well, we agree about something. Big How out. about that? Another one is interest expense for corporations might be partially limited. So companies that buy a lot of equipment uh, on, on terms, uh, they borrow for it, they may not get to write off all their interest. I don't think that one's going to pass. I, I think that's going to be fought. Yeah. Because well. there are certain businesses that require a lot of equipment, and all of a sudden you're going you're gonna to say you can't write that stuff off. So, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see. And there are a few other things. There's other business deductions and credits. Uh, it, they think the domestic manufacturers um, will not have their credit anymore, but maybe R&D, low-income housing might, might continue. Who knows? But, but, again, this really is kind of a framework at this point. And I think over the next um, few weeks or months, we're going to learn more about uh, you know about the likelihood that this will pass, and and if it passes, what it's going to be, and will it be retroactive? I boy, I, I think Joe, I think this is the year to to really pay attention to tax planning because so much is at stake here, and if some of this stuff is retroactive, uh, and we we've seen the government have a tendency to pass things right at year end. So where you don't right. have, have a lot of time to maneuver. I remember we were counting down the days back in 2012. I was like, it's going to be on the 18th. Right. And then it, it happened like maybe on the 23rd. 20, it's like, all right, now we got four days yeah, right. to figure this out. Four, four business days because right. you, you can't count Christmas. Right. So, yeah, right. And it's, uh, boy, to me, this is the year the tax planning is, is really important. 
clearly Joe and Big Al and the rest of the team at Pure Financial Advisors are going to be slammed as we get closer and closer to the end of the year. So call 888-994-6257 now to schedule your end-of-year tax planning appointment. Don't wait to find out how this total tax code overhaul might affect your tax strategy. Call 888-994-6257 now to make an appointment for your free personalized tax reduction analysis. Time now for Big Al's List. Every week, Big Al Clopine scours the media to find the best tips, do's and don'ts, mistakes, myths, and advice to improve your overall financial picture. In handy bullet point format. This week, 10 important steps to take in the last 10 years before retiring. 10 steps to take before your 10 years of retirement? Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. It's yep, a double yep. list. Yep, it's a, it's a double list. <laughs> <laughs> okay, because it's 10 for 10, All right? right? And I, these are these are decent, I think. Sometimes they're these are terrible, Garbage, yeah. and you have to just kind of toss them. Although some of these you'll say, "Oh, Al, come on!" But we just have to get through. So number one is define your version of what ideal retirement looks like, and it's uh, what will you look forward to doing in retirement? Will you stop working completely? Do you plan to take a part-time job? Maybe start a vi- business venture? There's no one-size-fits-all to these questions. Personalize your vision of retirement in a way that matches your values and life goals. Carefully consider what your ideal retirement looks like. That seems so obvious. It seems like so few people do that. No one does it. It's like they, they as you've said before, which I agree, they pick an age. I'm retiring at 62. I'm retiring at 65, and they they don't think about anything else. Right. They don't think about the finances. They don't think they don't think about what they're going to do with their time. Right. Yeah. And I think the time is even more important in in, yeah. in some cases. You could have all the money in the world, but if you're just sitting there bored as hell, I know, right? I, and I think a lot of times it's. I mean, th- this is on the softer side, and we usually don't like to go down <laughs> the softer side of right. finance. But more and more of you that are retiring that haven't really thought of what you were going to do. I mean, you're losing your identity. Right. Uh, you know, it's like, oh my God, my I didn't know my identity was so ingrained in my occupation. Hey, I'm a, a corporate executive, and I have power, and I have decision making, um, and I have deadlines, and I have responsibilities, right. and I have pressure, and you know, and then you're thinking how much that you hate that stress, and I can't wait to retire, and oh my God, you have a bad day, and you're like, this is, I'm over this, right? And then two weeks into retirement, you're like, damn, I need that back, <laughs> right? So you start fighting with your spouse, you know, calling up your kids, hey, you know, bossing yeah. them around. You, you start fighting with your spouse, you you start getting depressed, you start feeling like, oh. Ooh, I got this pain in my yeah. my side oh that you never God. thought about before. Oh, jeez, what's this? What's going on here? Yeah. And be careful who you hang out with. You know True. what I mean? Yeah, right. It's like all of a sudden, it's like if you're a young retiree and you're going playing bingo with a bunch of 80-year-olds, you're going to turn 80 very, very quickly. <laughs> okay, that's a good point. All right. The second one is run an initial budget plan for retirement. And that's this also seems kind of obvious. And, and this, this doesn't have to be as hard as it seems. It, it might just be a simple uh, thing of how much you're spending right now. Kind of take a look at your net pay. And if that if you're not really saving anything outside of retirement, well, your net pay is probably what you're spending. And then it's like, just give it some thought. Will there be any changes? Well, maybe I'm going to drive a little bit less, so maybe I don't have to buy suits for my job. But on the other hand, I might want to travel more and have more leisure activities. So kind of give that a little barometer. And I think most of you, uh, if, if you have the resources to do it, what we've seen is you want to at least keep up the same lifestyle. Many people want to spend more of those first few years of retirement. You know, I had this discussion with an individual just last week. Right. And he's like, man, you know, I just don't see me spending a lot of money in retirement. I really don't. 
and um, he's a corporate exec type person. You know, um, he's in sh- you know the, the couples in shape. They you know they're, they're they're the type that are like close to seventy, but they look like they're close to fifty, right? Extremely active and everything else. And he's like, yeah, I don't think, man, I think I'm going to spend a lot less money. And I'm like, well, what are you going to do in retirement? What are, you know, what? And then he's like, well, I never thought of it. I'm like, well, th- that's the first step, buddy. <laughs> He's like, well, are you just going to sit at home right. and watch TV? Right. No. Right? You're going to probably want to travel. You probably yes. want to you know, get involved with different things. And guess what? You're not working. So when you're not working, we tend to spend money. Yes. We tend to spend more on Saturday and Sunday than the rest of the week. Right? Yeah. I spend like five bucks <laughs> Monday through Thursday. During the week. But Friday through Sunday, boom. <laughs> five grand. Yeah, it's big. <laughs> It's like, what the heck am I doing here? Right, right. So, yeah, I think it's, uh, and there are going to be some people that the accountants out there that have all their records on, on Quicken and, or whatever, Mint.com. Yeah, but they're not retired. They're still working and they're planning on right, this right. fantasy that they're going to spend yeah. a lot less money because, well, the, well, no, what activities? You don't even know what passion you're going to be involved right, with right. because you're going to find different passions because you're going to have a lot more time to figure out different things. Right. Right? So you might fall in love with, I don't know, fly fishing. And then next thing you know, you're going around the world to fly fish. Yeah, you're flying up to Alaska and right. staying in lodges. Yep. Yep, you got the, the draft beer up there, and it's right out of the microbrewery. And, oh, they don't charge three bucks for beer. It's, yeah. It's 14 Yeah. I, I can't bring my, you know, cooler of natural light. <laughs> You'll be laughed off the river. Yeah, right. <laughs> Even the bears would laugh at you for that. Hams. <laughs> so, three and four are kind of related. Uh, one is see if your retirement savings will be enough, and four is estimate how much guaranteed income you will get from Social Security, pensions, and and the like. So it's like, all right. So you start with what do I want to spend, and you may have no idea. So just figure out what you're spending right now, and and. A lot, I'd say more people than not that we talk to have no idea. So just look at your net pay and then multiply that by the number of paychecks. That's usually a decent starting point. Now, if you're one of those that saves a lot of your net pay, awesome, then you're spending less. But for, for I would say most of the people that we talk to, it's that net pay. That's kind of a pretty good approximation of what they're spending. And then it's like, all right, well, let's look at the other side. Let's look at the income side. So I'm, oh, I'm spending 100000 What do you know? I thought he was only spending 36000 How many times have we heard that? Right. How much are you spending? 3000 a month. And then we go through their income and their net pays 100000 Where's the rest going? Yeah, well, uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's a, <laughs> right. oh, well, that's a good question. <laughs> what do you think, honey? Where's it going? Yeah. I don't know. You tell me. Blank stairs. But anyway. Oh, we don't live lavishly, Al. No. And uh, you know what? That's the most overused term we've ever heard. We don't live lavishly. <laughs> yes, you do. It's like we hear that when people really do spend 36000 a year. We hear that when they spend 100000 a year. I've heard that when someone spends 300000 or 500000 right. a year. Joe, Al, you don't understand. We don't spend lavishly. Right. No, not spending lavishly is <laughs> like the guy we talked to last week that what that he saved 90% of his income. <laughs> that dude's not living lavishly. No, he's, he's living not, not, very frugally, <laughs> I would say. But the, anyway, the computation is relatively simple. It's uh, 100000 is what you want to spend or what you're spending now. So that's a good starting point. And then it's like Social Security is and pensions are... 
60 grand just to make this math easy. So you you still need another 40,000 from somewhere, right? So you you take a look at okay, 40,000 multiply that by 25, that's a million bucks. That's about what you need to have saved to make this thing work. And there's there's a million variations show and I don't want to over uh, oversimplify this cuz there's there's a lot more to it, but at least you do, do that quick calculation, you'll be in the right ballpark whether you can even retire or not. Right. I mean or, that's kind of the first step, right? Or maybe you you do the this uh, maybe you go the other way. Maybe you say I only got five hundred thousand. Well, multiply that by four percent. That's twenty thousand dollars. My fixed income sixty thousand. I, I, I can spend twenty thousand from my portfolio. Is that enough? And if it is, cool. Yeah. And go ahead and retire. Right. Right. But uh, but do consider the differences because a lot of times people retire or before sixty five and they forget about health insurance. Right. Because they the Medicare happens at sixty five, so they're gonna have to have some kind of insurance and. The whole leisure part, like we just talked about, a lot of things are, are are omitted in this quick plan. Right. They're looking at, okay, well, this is what we're spending here. Well, we're not going to spend that. We're going to cut this. We're going to cut that. But they're not adding anything to that list. Right. They're just cutting and thinking, oh, well, we can spend significantly less in retirement. Well, okay. Well, yeah, if you want to live that lifestyle, then go for it. I mean, this is your life. This is your retirement. These are your goals. Yeah. But we're just here to say, all right, well, here's some mistakes that people made along the way. Yeah. Is that all of a sudden when they did get in retirement, they were spending a lot more than they ever thought they would because they have more time, they found more hobbies, they found more passions, and that, that they were really, really dedicated to. And then that they, I, mean, I met an individual that he retired at 58, right? And he had like 700,000 bucks in his retirement account, retired at 58, and now he is 63. The 700, gonzo. Gone. All the way gone. Zero. In, in five years. Yes. And he's like, yeah, I probably retired a little earlier than I should have. <laughs> you think? He's like, now I got to go, you know, do I go back? Well, his wife is a lot younger. Right. right. But she's still working. She makes a good income. Right. But and somehow like, we still went all through his. Oh. Boy, when she retires, game over, huh? It's like, well, t- divorce. <laughs> you know? There is a lot to consider in the 10 years before you retire, and we're not just talking about your fly fishing budget. If you or someone you know is turning 65, it's time to start navigating the Medicare maze so you can choose the right plan for you at the right cost. The Understanding Medicare video series featuring certified financial planners Joe Anderson and Jason Thomas is available free on demand from the Learning Center at YourMoneyYourWealth.com. Learn the basics of Medicare, how to bridge the gap to Medicare, and 11 common Medicare mistakes to avoid. While you're there, check out the white papers, articles, webinars, and all the other educational video clips on just about every personal finance topic you can imagine. Access it all in the Learning Center at YourMoneyYourWealth.com. We're in Big Al's list. We're in the thick of it. Yeah, we are. Ten important steps to take in the last ten years before retiring. We're kind of talking number five. Where would you like to live during retirement? That's an interesting one, Joe. It seems that almost everyone we ask wants to stay in their home. I mean, 80, 90 percent. But that's not necessarily the best answer because maybe you've got a lot of equity in your home and maybe you don't have a lot of other assets and if you want to have any kind of retirement lifestyle, maybe you want to consider downsizing. Or maybe there is another state or city where your kids and grandkids are living. So you just want to sort of give those things some some thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. It's figuring out, all right, well, where do you want to live? Do you want to stay at home? But can you afford to stay in your home? Do you want to utilize your equity? What other assets do you have? What is your fixed income sources? Because think about it. Now you're 65 years old and you want to get up and move to a totally different state, let's say. Right. Well, maybe your social service 
circles are right there around yeah. you. Then you got to build new friends at 65. Yeah. I don't know. And I think that's why most people decide to stay put. And CNBC, they just did a, a they Merrill they quoted a, a study from Merrill Lynch about retirees and those that actually want to stay within their region or whether those that want to move. And the highest percentage of people that wanted to stay in their locale was from South Atlantic, Florida. Georgia, the Carolinas, that 80% of people want to stay put. And the second most is uh, is the Pacific, California, Oregon, and Washington. I guess that kind of makes sense. Those are kind of coastal. retirement areas and coastal. And, and the third is the mountain states, which also include Arizona, Nevada, Utah, Colorado. Uh, so those are 10 People to didn't be. want to stay in Texas? Texas, uh, that's 58%. And you know the least, by the way, the, the Northeast, only 49%. Well, yeah, everyone from New York moves to Florida. To Florida, exactly, right? Yeah, everyone from Minnesota moves to Arizona. <laughs> Yeah, that's a fairly low one too. Is the the heartland, which includes uh, Minnesota. That's only fifty five want to stay put, and then go just a little bit further east, the Great Lakes area. Only fifty percent want to stay put. They're getting a little tired of that cold weather. Yep. I think our next one on our list, number six, is to review your health insurance coverage options. Boy, that is a big miss. I would say in a lot of cases for those that retire younger than sixty five, now you got to figure out how you're going to cover your your health insurance. Maybe if you're spouse is still working and if they have uh, you know the the spousal coverage on their retirement plan that could be a great way to go but if that's not true you might want to look at cobra or maybe you want to look at an individual policy but you're going to have to have something between you know now and age 65 right you got to add another 20 grand a year right depending expense. upon depending upon what kind of insurance you go for and if you go for one of those cheap policies great but if you have some ailments then it's going to be more expensive you blow from, your retirement wide right open. just right exactly so that's a big one. The, the seventh one is determine if it makes sense to pay off your mortgage. And everyone seems to want to pay off their mortgage, Joe. And, and, and I'm all for that as long as it makes financial sense. But here's the mistake we see people making is they, they devote 100% of their extra income to pay off the mortgage and they retire with a house free and clear but they've got no other resources right. and so they're, they're they're house rich cash poor and they're living on social security i met with this couple hypothetically that um, want to retire in 15 years they got a rental in southern california property values i don't know in the high fives right right and there's a fairly largeable, uh, large, largeable, large uh, mortgage on it. And so their goal was like, well, we want to rapidly pay this mortgage off so we have additional cash flow in retirement, right? And I said, I think you're looking at this wrong, right? Because that property is 600000 let's say. Right. You're getting $2,500 in rent. The cap rate on that, if it's paid off, still stinks. Right. It's, it's low. It's low, right? And they're feeding it, and then now they're going to feed it more. And it's like, you've got 15 years, and you got really good income, mm-hmm. right? So then it's looking at leverage, right? Hold it for growth versus income, and then sell it and buy a place in Tennessee. Right. Or Texas or Florida or Minnesota or whatever, where the market values are a lot lower than you know a, you know, a beach home, a beach condo in Del Mar. doesn't yeah. make any sense. Because it's like, all right, well, let's say $600,000, and let's say they have a $300,000 note. So if they get 5% on that home, so how much is that in appreciation, Al? 
Uh, $30,000. $30,000. They so that rate of return is 5%, it's $30,000. But they only have $300,000 of equity. So their rate of return on net equity is double that, yeah, 10%. 10%, correct. And I'm like, all right, you've got 15 years growth is probably what you want, not necessarily income. But it works the other way, too. If that property drops 5%. Right. Yeah. Then you're you've eating into your negative. equity. You're negative. Yeah. Negative 10%. But if you have a 15-year time frame, you can weather out those cycles, I believe. Right. Would yeah. you agree with that? I, I do agree with that. And I think that's a common misconception of those that own properties in, on, in more expensive locales, like Southern California, for example, San Diego in particular, is most of the money made in these properties, except for maybe some small apartments, is appreciation. It's not cash flow. Now, if you happen to live in Texas or Arizona, then totally different. Get that thing paid off. That's a cash cow. Right. Your, your cap rate's probably 10%. Right. So so yeah. why not? But in California, it's 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 a little bit different rules here. Yeah. And you can't, I mean, I think if you think of the you know, the real estate gurus, they want cash flow. Right. They would never buy a property in San Diego, in a sense, because it's not going to cash flow well for yeah, you. Yeah, if you ever notice the, the the real estate gurus, they don't live in California. They live in Arizona. Yes. They live in Texas. They right. live in Tennessee. They're buying places in, um, you know, obscure places that really cash flow. Yeah, that actually do cash flow. A couple more items, Joe. Uh, number eight, and this I think is super important. Decide if your current asset allocation matches your current risk tolerance and time horizon. And we see fairly big mistakes here. We, on the one hand, we'll see people that, that want to get rid of all risk because they think, I'm retired now, I can't afford to lose the money, not realizing that their time frame might be 20 years, 25 years, even 30 years, because we're living longer. So in order to keep ahead and, and, and have some inflation uh, protection, you're going to have to have some money in the market. Then on the other hand, we see people that do just the opposite. They want, they want to stay all in, not realizing, you know what, when the market takes big dips and you're pulling money out for your retirement, you never recover. Right, so there's a balance, and it's funny how we do see those two extremes, even for retirees. Right. And the last one is considering redefining your retirement when you go through the first eight or nine. Right. In other words, you get it doesn't really quite pencil out. Okay, well that's okay. Yeah. So maybe you'll work part time in retirement, or maybe you'll spend less, or maybe you'll downsize your home, or maybe you'll get a reverse mortgage, or whatever. Just be creative. Don't give up. Just there's there is a solution here. Hope you enjoyed the show. For Big Al Clopa and I'm Joe Anderson. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. So to recap today's show, it remains to be seen if President Donald Trump's tax reform will fix our broken tax code and provide more jobs, fairer taxes, and bigger paychecks. Call 888-994-6257 to schedule a free personalized tax reduction analysis. There are plenty of things to consider in the 10 years before you retire, like whether or not you should pay off the mortgage, where you want to live, and your health insurance options. But an important one is making sure you can afford the lifestyle you're expecting before you pull the plug on the job. Even so, you can always go back to work. And Largeable, is that like bigly? Subscribe to this podcast at yourmoneyyourwealth.com through your favorite podcatcher or on iTunes, where you can also check out our ratings and reviews. And remember, if you've got a burning money question for Joe and Big Al to answer on Your Money, Your Wealth, email info at purefinancial.com or call 888-994-6257. 
Listen next week for more Your Money, Your Wealth presented by Pure Financial Advisors. For your free financial assessment, visit purefinancial.com. Pure Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full and informed investment decision. Your Money, Your Wealth opening song Motown Gold by Carl James Pestka is licensed under a Creative Commons license.